the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And we're just going to start with uh, good prayer. Lord, we just, we're just we just so grateful to you. We thank you for your constant presence. Thank you that you are attentive to our all our prayers, uh, you know the thoughts and intents of our heart, and you know, Lord, how much we love you. You know how to draw us to you. Pray, God, that we can submit our lives to you, to walk with you, and to follow the path that you have laid out for us. Help us to be a light to the people all around us. Give us boldness as they prayed in Acts 14, and we just ask that you help us, Lord, to share with others your truth. They don't know. The world is dying. Most people don't know the simple God. Gospel, Lord, and help us to share that today in his name. Amen. And I do want to challenge y'all, if you could just think about, somebody said to me recently, just decide to share the gospel once a day with somebody. And that really was a challenge for me, because even though I go and do outreaches and I do this on the radio, frankly, I, I don't always do that. And uh, I do carry tracks around, and, and I give them to people I encounter. And whenever God wants to do something, um, He can do it, but I have to give Him permission. And so I urge you all to give Jesus permission to use you, especially um, when, you know, we have the Holy Spirit moving uh, around the country right now, waking up Gen Z. And I tell you, Gen Z, they have been prevented from hearing the simple gospel because of the way our schools have indoctrinated them, prevented us from, they can talk about anything at the school. Trust me, I'm in the schools. You can talk about anything but Jesus. You could talk about any old idea, any ancient God, any current God, any faith at all, but don't tell people Jesus is the way to heaven. So Gen Gen Z doesn't know. Trust me, if you have any Gen Zers in your life, they don't know the simple gospel. They, They may think they do, but I always ask people, hey, if you if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And use that as your opening question with people. It's a simple thing. And then uh, if you don't know what to say to people, say, look, I want you to know that God loves you. He has a good plan for your life. Do you know that? Have you given him an opportunity to show his good plan to you and to trust him with your life? And so please, friends, I just tell you, uh, be prepared. Just set your mind to be ready to share the things of God. You wouldn't believe what people don't know. And be sure to tell them that by faith alone in Jesus, let him pay for your sins. 
that is all he is asking. It's to humble ourselves and allow him to pay. That's the difference between the Christian gospel and every other gospel out there. And we're going to start talking about those coming up in a in a couple of weeks. We're going to start talking about how to speak to people of different faiths or maybe just anybody who has no faith whatsoever. And so maybe if you'd like, you can email me your questions, specific questions, things that you're challenged with by people in your life. You want to know how to have a simple conversation with them. I like to get straight to the heart of the matter so that um, people, you know, I cut out all the extraneous things and I go right to the heart of the matter. And that really helps you, especially with people who won't maybe give you permission to say a lot, plant that nugget. So um, I'm just going to ask you, email me uh, this week when you get a chance. Hey, if something comes up or at any point, email me a question. Hey, how do I share with this person? This person thinks this. How do I help them to see it? And we could do it with love. Um, The Bible says in James that uh, the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, then easily received, and without partiality and without hypocrisy. And so um, the fruit of peace is sown in them who make peace. And that's us. And and it's received well. And in fact, we're going to read a verse today from Jesus that that shows that he literally opens the door of the hearts of people where they can hear the truth, and it's by the Holy Spirit alone. So you have to trust that you're walking with the Holy Spirit. Dedicate each morning as quick as you can. Dedicate each morning. Holy Spirit, be with me today. Show me. Let me speak for you, Lord, and guide me. And so, please, we have to rescue these people. They don't know the simple gospel. And so email me at wscott at mywordsforhim.com, W. Scott at mywordsforhim.com. You can go on the K-Praise website, go on my page there on K-Praise Season Watch, and you can actually click the link and email me directly. And anything, if you want to know about Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, um, the occult, uh, Satanists, uh, or just your hard-headed uncle that thinks there's no such thing as God, email me specific questions, and we're going to start tackling them. All right? So, all right. Well, last week, thank you for hanging in there. Last week, we were talking about how the Bible details the two futures coming ahead for all of us. I'm going to kind of go at a rapid pace on this. Um, The two futures, the first one is that the true church will be raptured. Please listen to my previous episodes. I also have Wendy's Words for Him radio on my Rumble channel, and I upload all of the audio podcasts up there as well. And um, listen to them. Listen to the previous episodes. We've already talked about the rapture of the true church, and so you can catch up there if you have any questions. And then, of course, the other future is all other false churches or false faiths, unbelievers, just plain old unbelievers, and then particularly the Jewish unbelievers that will be left behind. There's a lot of Jewish believers out there. More and more every day, pray for Israel. God, God's pouring out sprinkling, just like in Zechariah. He's sprinkling the Jewish people, and so there are seeds that are going to remain after we're gone, and those are the ones that are going to sprout, okay? And so we're praying for Israel, we're praying for the Jewish people, and we pray for opportunities to speak to them. But the Jewish believer, the Jewish unbelievers will also be left behind, and they're a particular interest because of those who are Jewish that have rejected Jesus, which is they they largely do. It's, it's just something that, you know, we've, we've talked about how God has allowed them to be blinded so that the Gentiles can come in. That really fits into the plan that Jesus spoke of until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So it's all 
part of the plan, but he is not rejecting them forever. He's going to bring them back in. They're his chosen people. And at this time, after uh, the rapture, when the tribulation picks up on Daniel's 70th week, and he has a special purpose there, and we talked about some of those things. And so uh, fasten your truth belts as we talk in this episode about the two futures, Jesus's prophetic message to each. We're going to look at something pretty interesting today. There are actually distinct messages as we look through Jesus's all of the discourse and the prophecies that he outlines there. And we'll see actually that these two futures play out. And when we look at the differences between Matthew chapter 24, that Olivet Discourse, and Luke chapter 21, and we'll see there's distinctions and their messages to each of those uh, two groups, those who will be the true church that will be raptured and those who will be left behind. By studying them side by side, we can locate those. Um, and we can actually look at the writers of Luke and Matthew themselves to see how Jesus used them to make this sort of distinction between those two futures, as each of them wrote with a specific audience in mind based on who they were and who their audience was. Whenever we write, we always have a, an audience in mind. And though this distinction, through this distinction, we see Jesus's warning, prophecies, and instructions, not only for a testimony to the whole world, because the whole world, we all get to read them, but also for a special testimony, each one, Luke and Matthew, to his two loves. And the two loves, again, are his faithful church, his bride, and Israel, his chosen people. And so we actually see that Jesus' prophecies in Luke describe what to expect and do as believers, both in the first century and just before the rapture. And then Jesus' prophecies in Matthew describe what those who come to faith in Israel are expected to do after the rapture. And the Bible reveals that after the rapture and the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, including the Gentile church has, has been accomplished, that God's attention will return to Israel to bring his people back to faith to faith in the Messiah through the testimony of the two witnesses, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to go out. We see this in Revelation, it's testified, and the angel that goes about the whole earth uh, declaring the everlasting gospel. So Revelation has some really interesting details in it. And then it, uh, the Bible describes that one day their eyes will be open to their Messiah. And this is that time period in that 70th week, in that uh, seven years of the tribulation. And they will recognize Yeshua, Josh, uh, Jesus, as their Messiah, as described in Zechariah 12.10. We read this last week. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the ha- inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And so the tribulation period will be perilous. Anyone who comes to faith will suffer great persecution at the hands of the Antichrist government. But God will still be at work to bring people back to himself. So let's take a look at what these two books, Luke and Matthew, reveal about Jesus's prophecies to the two futures. So Luke is a gospel to the true church and the church of the first century. And, of course, to the last church, that will be raptured. So Luke was Greek and wrote Luke 
and the Gospel of Luke and Acts for Gentile believers in order to explain the record of Jesus's ministry and the acts of the church. And Luke frequently explains Jewish rituals and the significance of them because the Gentiles would be unfamiliar with their significance. And so it's fitting um, to Jesus's prophecy that the end times uh, is directed to the Gentiles when we see through Luke. Matthew was an educated Jewish apostle who had been a tax collector, and he faithfully recorded the life of Jesus for the Jewish reader. And there's actually even some evidence that he actually wrote his gospel in Aramaic originally, and then later rewrote it to into Greek for the more common use in the church. Not necessarily that he translated it, but that he rewrote it. So we don't know for sure, but there's evidence of that. And we see in Matthew that there's clues that reveal it's directed to the Jewish reader versus the Greek reader, right? Based on the abundant quoting of Old Testament scripture to show Jesus was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. He also recorded events from a Jewish perspective, assuming that they knew the significance in the Jewish law. And then we also see that there are details in there uh, that describe what to expect after the rapture and during the tribulation, unlike in Luke. And this is to an audience that will clearly be left behind. So this is fitting for the 70th week in Daniel, which represents a return of God's attention to Israel during the tribulation of the prophesied Jacob's trouble. And so, however, Matthew uh, prophecies seem to give instruction primarily to Jews who come to faith during the tribulation in Israel, specifically, as we see. Although anyone, of course, who comes to faith at that time will observe these instructions and will need to know them. Um, so for this discussion, I would suggest maybe open your Bibles to both accounts if you haven't already done it. Otherwise, re-listen to the podcast and you can pause it and you can compare the verses because obviously we're going to go through them kind of fast. Um, but the section we're discussing is generally referred to as the Olivet Discourse, which Jesus gives on Mount Olives. And this is after, remember, he was watching the widow offer her very last might, makes a comment there. And then at that time, um, the the Disciples were admiring the temple because they'd recently finished it and it was really gleaming and perfect. And they were admiring it. And to this, Jesus replies, The days shall come when there shall not be one stone upon another that shall not be cast down. And so this is in both accounts, Matthew and Luke. And at this, the disciples ask when these things will be and what signs there will be at the accompanying at the end. And so both accounts next warn against being deceived that many will come in his name and not to follow. Follow them, and then both describe wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, and pestilence. So that's what they have in common. And there are clues that although much of the descriptions in both are the same, some variations point to the different target audiences for these prophetic events. It's clear that, as we often see in Scripture, prophecies typically have a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment, right? So when we see with the virgin, uh, behold, uh, a virgin shall conceive, right? So there was a near fulfillment where Isaiah went into the virgin, and then there was a far fulfillment, which was Jesus. And we saw that also with the um, abominations that will be set up. Well, we had Antiochus Epiphanes went into the temple, and he set up an abomination, but it, it was not the far fulfillment. So there's a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment very often. And we're going to see some of this in, um, in the descriptions between Luke and Matthew. 
And many uh, t- the many of the details actually apply to both times, both the pre-rapture and the the first century church. Many of the details apply, especially when you talk about persecution, how to handle persecution. That applies all the time. Christians are being persecuted even now. Um, and we know that both audiences will see the increasing signs before the rapture as a warning. Both, si- both will see all that. But uh, those who do not heed the warning will still be here after the rapture. Um, and so, as we've described extensively, the prophetic details in Luke 21 appear to target believers in the first century and believers just prior to the rapture in order to prepare them for what's ahead. For example, the account in Luke 21, beginning at verse 11, where he ends with a detail that's different than Matthew 24. So verse 11, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. So in this section, Jesus warns that before the converging signs of all the wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, that these things will happen. And in this in this description, he includes fearful signs from heaven, and that is not included in that section in Matthew. And so, and this shows that uh, by including the detail before the fearful signs, they will be persecuted. We see that fearful signs likely, fearful signs from heaven, likely refers to the end times, right? And so he's saying before all that, that they will be persecuted. And of course, we know that. Um, that the church was persecuted. The first century church was persecuted in this manner. Uh, And we also know that in Revelation, Daniel reveals that believers, uh, Revelation and Daniel both reveal that believers will be persecuted in the tribulation. So this is a small detail that suggests Luke is talking to a group who will experience persecution, but before the end times events and not in the great tribulation because they will not be here. So that's one little detail. Uh, We see further evidence as we continue to compare the prophetic details. In Matthew 24, details pointedly differ, starting at verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows or labor pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So see, this represents the same section I just read. They left out fearful signs in heaven, and it says here Jesus calls these signs labor pains, which start and always grow harder and faster, right? Paul refers to the labor pains as well, as we looked at uh, last time in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, that uh, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as a, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. And so we actually see in Luke that Jesus says we can't escape. So 
there's another difference. Um, so Paul points to this idea of labor pains just as Jesus has. And it says that um, that these are the beginning of sorrows when they see these events, the earthquakes, pestilence. All right, so that's a warning to the Matthew crowd. The crowd, first of all, don't be left behind. That's a warning. You should wake up to that. But then it says that you will be, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. So you see there's uh, this idea that you will be killed and hated by all nations, which is interesting because um, it seems to specify end times tribulation description and the especially the point where um, as we see it starting in verse 10, and then many shall be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because the lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So we see in verse 12, Jesus warns that lawlessness will abound, which aligns with Paul's detailed description of perilous times in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, which we have read through several times. And then and in 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, 3, Paul describes that in the last days there will be a, quote, falling away, suggesting Christians will be deceived or leave their faith. So we see here um, in, in Matthew, the, the, to the left-behind church, he also warns in verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Then advises, he who endures to the end shall be saved. This prophecy aligns with the details in Revelation that anyone who accepts the mark of the beast uh, will have to endure God's wrath, and that those who come to faith must refuse at all costs, even the cost of their lives, as Revelation 14 describes. So we see this warning, they will persecute you, will be hated by all nations, and you will be killed. You must endure to the end. That's a very different description than in Luke. And so we see in Revelation 14, it aligns with this, um, starting in verse 9. Then an angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast, in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand, he himself will also drink from the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. But he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and who receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice in heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are they who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works will follow them. And then if we jump down to Revelation 20, verse 4, it says, Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for their word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image or had not received his mark on their foreheads and on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so we see the warnings in Matthew, the the tenor and the, the prophecies align more with a left-behind church that's going to have to endure, or a left-behind crowd that uh, who come to faith during the tribulation. And they, ca- they cannot get out. They must endure to the end. They must not take the mark of the beast. And so the warning in Matthew to endure to the end aligns with this caution for those who come to faith in the tribulation. Um, however, as we return to Luke's account, we see an entirely different promise and tenor through the same section. So Luke starting 21, starting in verse 13, um, talking about when they will uh, be called before uh, kings, right? They'll be called before kings, uh, but it will turn out as a testimony 
uh, as an occasion for a testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents or brothers, relatives, or friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. And while this is good advice to all believers under persecution at all times, we see that it particularly particularly aligns with the first church spreading the gospel around the world. In Matthew, it says you will be hated of all nations, but in Luke, he says it, that you will use it for a testimony um, and that you will be getting wisdom and not a hair will perish. And of course, there were martyrs, but this promise is for that it will be a testimony. While in Matthew, they are supposed to endure until the end. But, um, okay, so the most dramatic distinction between the two is the sign that Jesus gives concerning what to watch out for in each account. In Luke, he warns, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the desolation of is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst depart, and let none who are in the country enter into her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those that are pregnant, and those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress on the land, and wrath on the people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So this prophecy specifically was fulfilled by the fall of Jerusalem, which would occur 40 years later in 70 AD, that Jerusalem was surrounded by armies, and when they saw that, that they were going to be led away captive and killed by the edge of the sword. And so, in fact, some of the disciples were still alive in 70 AD, and that these are described as the days of of vengeance for rejecting the Messiah. But in Matthew, it says that it says the same things, flee to the mountains, but instead it says the prophecy is not about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, but a prophecy about the tribulation events to watch out for, completely different. And it says, starting in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then flee into the mountains, right? And then it goes through the process about fleeing. And it says, for then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. And so we are going to discuss in more detail how Obviously, in Luke, he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem as the days of vengeance, and that was the sign to look for, and the apostles were supposed to flee that that persecution, right? But the in Matthew, it describes the tribulation event of the abomination of desolation being set up in the temple. Well, that's during the tribulation. It's a completely different set of warnings. So we can look at it, and of course, we'll pick up here next time, but uh, just, just remember, these warnings are prophetically described by the Holy Spirit, and I think we can take lessons from them. So until next time, may God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. 
Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.